You're listening to Thinking Christian, clear theology for a confusing world. This is a new podcast that we hope will be a daily discussion on what we are putting in our brains before we start talking from a knee-jerk Christian reaction. This program is designed for listeners to think and act, so we don't just understand concepts, but ultimately experience God and the plans and the patterns of life. All right. Hey, welcome everybody to Thinking Christian. This is our new podcast, and we are here with Joshua Harmony. Josh is a friend of Nate, and so we've got Nate on the side there as well. And we're just going to be talking about jo- to Josh about uh, life, uh, where he grew up, and then some of his passions that he's had the opportunity to do over the years. And so we're not going to belabor the point. We're just going to dive right in. Josh, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you here. Um, give us a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about how you grew up, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, how you found Christ, you know, um, when you accepted Christ, a little bit of your testimony, and then we'll dive into some of the other topics. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I spent most of my adult life as a professional skateboarder and uh, musician. But when I was born, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. My dad worked for a plastics moldings company. And so he moved us around all over the place until I was six years old. Um, We moved to Southern California. So I was raised in Altaloma, California, which is sort of near where Rancho Cucamonga is, like sort of in that that area near the foothill mountains and uh the first time i heard about jesus was through my my parents um when i was six years old my dad told me about the gospel and you know shared to me about jesus and how he died for our sins and you know i just saw the love of the lord in my parents and in my family that i just was totally open to jesus as as a little kid um and then When I was about 11, I started skateboarding and surfing and, uh, yeah, started skating really hard, took skating very seriously. And then, um, when I was almost 14 years old, just about 14 years old, my parents moved to, uh, the Chicagoland area to Naperville, Illinois, and we lived there for three years. And then we moved back to Southern California when I was 17. So when I was 17 and moved back to California, um, at the time there was a, there was a pro skater and his name was Austin Stevens. And he rode for my favorite, uh, skateboard company called toy machines skateboards. And he had an interview in Thrasher magazine. And in the interview, he talked about his faith and he talked about, uh, he talked about his faith in Jesus and they kind of like razzed him a little bit and like, we're kind of drilling him on some hard questions and, you know, he, it wasn't like anything in depth or anything crazy like that, but I just remember closing the magazine and praying like, God, if you open the door for me that um, I could be a pro skateboarder and, and, you know, someday ride for a board brand like toy machine, then I would talk about you. I would, you know, I would share about you in Thrasher. And I remember the Lord specifically saying, I'm going to do that for you. And I'm going to open that door. Wow. And I remember feeling so empowered and I knew all these skate spots and stuff. Cause I used to live there before we moved to Chicago. So I went to all these spots and for people that don't skateboard, like we skated the streets, you know, we basically create tricks to do on the streets and get photos and get video of it. And, 
create little video parts or little zines or whatever. And if you're big time, then like you're getting shot by like, you know, magazine photographers or whatever. So I go out with my buddy with our video camera and we go film all these spots and I, I sent it into Toy Machine Skateboards and my, I sent it in as like a sponsor me video. And then Ed Templeton, the owner of Toy Machine called me while I was at school and my mom answered the phone and talked to Ed for like an hour. And um, I got home and my mom told me, hey, Ed Templeton called and and you know he wants to talk to you on the phone and i could not believe it i didn't believe it was true and uh it was pretty mind blowing and so he was uh, i called him and it was really him and and he was like yeah man i loved your part like i'm going to send you some skateboards and and stuff and i just i you know i, I want to get to know you like let's let's go skate and i just could not believe it was real and he sent me this box and it had like something like six to eight boards in it, all these wheels and t-shirts <laughs> and stuff. And I used to like mow lawns and stuff and work really hard just to get like a board. And right. I had like a stack of them, you know? And so that was just like a dream come true. And so, yeah, I called him back and I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you sent me this many skateboards. Like, this is like a dream. Like, I can't believe this is real. And like, he remembered he he told me later he was like dude no one ever calls to say thank you and like you actually <laughs> called and said thank you i was just like so excited like it wasn't right. like trying to earn his favor <laughs> yeah but like i guess that really made a mark on him and then so <clears throat> i went and hung out with him and he's printed out this like sheet of of photographers that that he wanted me to go skate with like go try to get photos with these guys and try to get into the magazines with these guys and at the top of it said, get gnarly. And it had like all these different guys, uh, phone numbers. So I was just calling people from Thrasher magazine, like, Hey, what's up? Like, you want to awesome. try to get some photos and whatever. And so <laughs> just started skating really hard. And then eventually, um, my photos started getting put in the, the magazines. And there I was like with the toy machine board and stuff. And people were like, Oh, who's this new guy and whatever. And, and then uh, eventually got put on the team and started traveling the world and and uh the lord did in fact open that door and and i did in fact speak about jesus in thrasher magazine Amazing. many a time and and uh yeah it's just it's just crazy looking back at it and just how god opened that door for me and i'm just super grateful it had to be awesome to see it come full circle because when you did join the team austin was still part of toy wasn't he he was, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you got to travel with him and like see what God had told you come to fruition. That has to feel amazing. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Yeah. And Austin isn't walking with the Lord anymore, but I, I pray for him. And his mom is a, a super serious believer. So I do think he is going to come back around one of these days. And uh, yeah, so love that guy. Yeah, that's so incredible because Ed Templeton doesn't walk with the Lord either. And, but at the same time, I, when you first got on, I remember that I kind of remember roughly the time period. And I just thought, man, like Josh is like a mini version of Templeton because he does art and photography and he was into a lot of the same stuff you were. So it was really cool to see God kind of send you down that path. Cause a lot of people just go straight into ministry, but you mm -hmm. kind of took the ministry to the industry and uh, was a light in a very, you know, dark culture, which is just incredible. I love that. Yeah. And so I should preface too that I, I mean, I've been through some different seasons in my faith for sure. 
And when I first got sponsored, I was just like super serious about God and like super like straight up about it. Then I moved out of my parents' house, got an apartment. I was like just about to graduate high school, just graduating high school, got an apartment with my buddies and there came like the drinking and the weed and all that stuff. And, and uh, I remember there was one night I, I was at a party and, you know, I would still like, I would, I would party, but I'd still read my Bible and like, still like, there was a part of me as a skater. I've always like questioned everything. Like I've always sort of had, I don't know, just like, like, you know, when you have exposure to certain like types of thinking you sort of you have to sort of counter you you think the counter wise so I would always think like oh well like weed isn't really in the bible so like what does God think about that do you know what I mean or whatever so you have all these like things you're exploring as a as a kid and like trying to trying to figure out what what is the truth amidst all the information that you're getting right and I was at this party one night and they were passing around the weed and I took a hit of it and I didn't know it at the time, but there was coke. It was laced with cocaine. And I was 19 with this hat when this happened. And uh, it just totally rocked me. Like I, I, I started like shaking and I couldn't control like my body. And I, I went out to go in the car, just to, like sit in the passenger seat and like lay down and like cope, but I couldn't get in the car. And I remember like freaking out and having a panic attack about it. And I was just like just panicking, panicking. My buddy finally came out and, and, was like, man, let's get you back to the place. Like, I'll, I'll put you in the car and take you there. And I remember going there and like shaking. I feel like the like, it was like the anxiety from the marijuana and then like the little cocaine or whatever that was in the weed, like just, it did something in my body that was just like so awful. And so I just like, I got to the, I got back to my apartment and I remember just feeling like a darkness, you know, and trying to read the Bible I remember like opening the Bible and I couldn't read it I could not understand it like as if I was blinded or like confused or something it was like I couldn't like things that I knew I should understand like John 3 like I'm reading through it but I can't it's like not working or something it was like the longest night of my life and I felt like I felt like I was being made fun of or like I was being I don't know how to explain it but it just seemed like something was like pointing at me and laughing at me and when I was a kid, I used to have this dream that was like a somewhat reoccurring dream where like this demon came up next to my bed in like a fiery, like he would appear in fire and he would just point his finger and laugh at me. And I remember feeling like that was happening, but in real life. And so the next morning I got up super early and drove out to my parents' house I was living in Long Beach and my parents were still in Altaloma and they had a pool in their backyard. And I went out there and I said to my dad, like, Hey dad, like I've been smoking weed. I've taken mushrooms and like, I'm trying all this stuff. And like, I know like God probably isn't into it. And I just feel so far away from God. And I, I let myself kind of get wrapped up into this stuff. And, and he was like, well, you know, Jesus will forgive you. You know, you just, you, just ask him for forgiveness and he will. And as I just told him, like I have like so many times, you know, in the past 24 hours and I don't feel right or the past like 15 hours or whatever it was from that point, And I still don't feel right. And I was like, baptize me in the pool in the backyard. Like oh, that'll fix it. So he, like, he baptized me in the pool in the backyard. And then I, I went back into my room, what was my room and 
I got dressed and I just got on my knees and I just said, Jesus, it, it, like, please forgive me. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I just, I felt, I felt so ashamed and I felt like I knew better and I knew that he was disappointed and that, that nothing that I was doing in skateboarding or anything would mean anything if I ended up going to hell or if I end up separated from God, like what could, you know, like for what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and, and yet lose his soul. And I just said, like, I'll give up skating if you want me to, like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Like, I don't know what, you know, like, I just need your help. Like, please forgive me. And uh, I just remember the presence of the Lord so strongly fill that place. And he said, I love you and I forgive you. I love you and I forgive you. And after that, I still was going on tour and sharing my faith. And it was really challenging at times, sometimes, not sometimes, but a lot of times people would turn on just the most blasphemous comedy routine things, just making fun of Christians and, you know, people would people would make up things about me that I believe say that I believed crazy things and this and that and you know because I was pretty outspoken about my faith and everything so kind of went on that journey and lived that for about 13 years I mean my professional career was like about 13 to 15 years long of like traveling and there was lots of like skate ministry and and music ministry stuff in the midst of that where I met Nate along the way as well and and yeah and then after I, I can keep going or if you want to stop no keep I going can. yeah I, I got a few questions but you keep going this is cool. great yeah okay so I so after so I got a call um a few years back around 2015 2016 that um toy machine couldn't couldn't pay me anymore and so I had to find a job in order to save our mortgage and try to figure out like a, my new path, you know, it's like a career change. Yeah. It's like one of the, one of the biggest things. And side note, I had like, before this, I had gone through this crazy uh, injury that damaged my hip. And then I got this hip resurfacing, which is basically like a hip replacement. And mm -hmm. um, after like for not being able to skate for like a year and a half during that period, then getting that and then having another like, few years of my career after I had that which was amazing but that's a whole nother sidebar and my faith getting challenged and that was sort of the thing that the catalyst that got me writing and recording music was that pain and and that that waiting time um but then when my my board sponsor toy machine called me and said they couldn't pay me anymore I uh I couldn't find a job anywhere out here in California but I did find one in Minnesota and my wife's family uh, lives in Minnesota. So I moved to Minnesota and took a job in marketing for a textile company. And I lived there for three years and just felt like a tree that had all of its branches completely cut off. And I was completely isolated and uh, started feeling, you know, I, I really was just like, okay, God, like, I know you're going to do something with my life. Like, we're going to you know, it's going to be fine. Like it's all going to work out. But there I was in a cubicle in the middle of winter, um, leaving for work before dark, coming home after dark, day after day, just depressed, 
from being used and by God and being courageous and having an amazing lifestyle and and everything to being just transitioned to something I was completely not used to, you know, um, joining marketing meetings with a tie and just doing, doing the picture that (laughs) it's crazy, but just doing it for my family and trying to provide, trying to be a good dad and just stepping up and, and doing the best that I could. And, but during that, during that time, so I should I should probably back up because I, about a year before I had that that call from Toy Machine, I had this crazy dream. Well, first I had a first I had I went to this I went to this church service and a pastor told me, Josh, I see a, a question mark over your head, and I remember mm-hmm. being like, "What? Like, hmm. dude, no way! Like, I got it all figured out. Like, I'm Jesus, now was this in Minnesota? This, this was, was in no, this was in California before this was we in moved California. To, okay. Yeah, this, this was, was before like, you moved. Okay. This was like a year or two before I moved to California. Gotcha. And then I had okay. this dream. I had this dream that was like a God dream. And I've had a few of them where it's like, it's like, I'm there. It's like, a. it's not like a regular dream where you wake up and you're like, Oh, that was, that was weird. It was like a, it was like I was in person. And so I'm like, I'm walking in this desolate area and it's like, I can't see far away. I can only see what's right in front of me and I'm walking and it's really difficult. And I look down and it's like sand. And you know, when, when you're walking in sand, it's like, it's, it's hard. And I remember like looking around and I could see my family and they're like, this is hard, dad. Like, this is hard. And I remember thinking like, man, this has got to get better. And then, and then I realized that there's this, this like child on my shoulders and I see my two sons and I'm like, who's this new person that's on my shoulders? And so I'm like, man, this is tough. And we're like walking along in the sand. It feels like a really long time. And then all of a sudden, these these plywood boards go on top of the sand. And we like start walking on them. And it gets mm-hmm. easier. And we're like, wow, this is like, this is like getting easier. Like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And And then these people are like inviting us into their house, but it's only temporary. And they're like, okay, we'll see you later. And then I end up in this place where like, all these like beautiful plants are like coming up out of the ground and there's like showers and we're just like, Oh, so much better. Like this is so much better. So anyway, I didn't know what that meant. I woke up and I was like, what the heck was that? Like, and I told my wife, I was like, I had this dream and I think it was prophetic, but I don't know what the heck it means. And so anyway, I just forgot about it, just put it on the shelf. And so then fast forward, you know, I'm living in, I'm living in Minnesota with like no friends and no, like, you know, when you isolate a coal, it's fire starts to die. And my fire was starting to die, even though we were going to church, but we were just kind of going to like a big church going in, kind of coming out, no real fellowship, no real Bible study, no real discipleship. And I just started doubting. I I just started questioning like why, like why like what is the point you know like where are you at god like 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 we did all that cool stuff together and then this is it like yeah. now i'm like going to die up here and like with no friends and like try trying my best but like just starting to doubt and and i started reading like a lot of crazy different perspectives um yeah. from philosophers like 
uh, Schopenhauer and different sort of atheistic, yeah, you know, old ones too, like Epictetus and old, and started to feel like that was it was just for some reason it was speaking to me, and I, I don't know why, and I, I honestly looking back, I think I was just like, I was just so desperate for god to be there but he wasn't there no matter how hard i dug in i just felt like he was just gone like he had just abandoned me or something and and then i also right before i moved to minnesota i was doing some ministry with some like sex trafficking fighting sex trafficking stuff so like helping raise funds for you know fighting sex trafficking and whatnot and some of the things I was exposed to, I'd never really realized, you know what I mean? There were, there was some evil in the world that I had never gotten a glimpse of. And I think that some of my inability to understand, um, my inability to understand why it's the the classic problem of evil stuff, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow when you don't have the resources or you don't have the Holy spirit that gives you the, the peace that passes understanding. It's like, yeah. I was just in this like perfect storm of like being isolated and not being encouraged or like discipled through doubt. And like that isolation was there. But then at the same time, there was like, there was like new things that I didn't, that I didn't realize that I hadn't processed before. So, you know, I started really struggling yeah. like with, you know, why would God, make me if he just knows i'm gonna suffer you know like what is love actually you know like what like all these things started sort of weighing down on me and then combined with that i started playing music i i met some some folks i was playing music with and one of my buddies i played music with was like really into like some occult type stuff and so you know being around that and being told you're your horoscope and all these things. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but she would say things to me that were so accurate. And I would say, wow, that's so true. And I didn't realize that at that time I was sort of stepping outside of God's boundaries of, of like his protection and stepping into like the occult kingdom of darkness. And I get anybody that's watching this, I would just say like, if you're around Ouija boards, tarot cards, um, any of that stuff, don't don't mess with it. Because the second that you touch that stuff, the second you get your your palm red or you start dabbling in horoscopes, you're giving authority to the enemy to attack you. And that's exactly what happened to me. I I I started hanging around, you know, people that were into that kind of stuff. And I believe that I became demonically oppressed at that time in my life. And and so I was suffering just severe depression um just really just over it you know and raising you know two kids and then we had when we lived in minnesota we had another kid like it's like man things are hard like let's throw in another kid (laughs) (laughs) i was just gonna say moving from california to minnesota can kind of do that to you anyway don't you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) big families out there and you know you just kind of fill the void with with that kind of stuff and so so do you feel like i mean i mean i know you talked about a little bit you know when you were skating like that the community wasn't uh necessarily supportive didn't sound like they were necessarily supportive like that skate community that you were with 
mm-hmm. but it seems like you really had a sense of purpose and and you were you were very much comfortable despite some antagonism sort of serving God in that moment. But then as you pivot over to Minnesota, you've really lost something that was um, very important to you. The, mm-hmm. the Not just the skateboarding necessarily, but the job, the community, the security, the, you know, almost the passion for, you know, having an outlet for serving God. I mean, is yeah. that, am I putting words in your mouth or is that, you know, sort of the general experience. And then as you, you know, you lose that passion and you lose that sense of purpose and almost identity, right. God then has to sort of step in and, and almost remake you, um, you know, 100%. like as we transition from, I, I've, I've had that experience myself. I, you know, I left an 11 year career in higher education, to go work at uh Dio Moody center, nonprofit organization. And it was very strange. It didn't help. You know, I went from working with a lot of people on a campus and students and all that kind of stuff. I worked from home. And so I was completely isolated other than Zoom meetings or maybe a phone call occasionally, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was just very difficult to sort of recalibrate mm-hmm. and and to stay faithful in that because mm-hmm. it was a completely different world for me. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing the career path got a lot less sure, the professional life got a lot less sure, you know, my personal life got actually better. But then, you know, I don't know that I would say that I really was spiritually flourishing during that time. It was just tough. So I mean, I I, I can kind of resonate with what you're saying, but it, don't let me put words in your mouth. Is that sort of kind of summarize where you're at now as you move into Minnesota, and you're, you're having these difficulties with the occult and, and those kind of issues? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the isolation. It's, it's the not being, it's, it's, it's the sort of, it's like you're taken out of, like, we're not supposed to be just hearers, but doers of the word. Right. And I am a firm believer in the doing. I feel like every time that I am dry and then I have like a divine appointment, it just re it just reinvigorates your spirit, you know? But yeah. when you're isolated and you're just in Zoom calls and you're not like it's like with your students that you administer to or you'd have these conversations and intellectual conversations and you would, you know, you'd come back being like, yes, like this is what it's about. Like it's just like it fills you with purpose. And yeah, and to have that purpose taken away sort of can leave you in a place where you're feeling dry. You feel like, what's the point? You feel like where, you know, where is this going? You know, yeah. does especially like I was just kind of having some idea uh, or identity sort of crisis. It's like a, it's like an identity crisis, like an existential crisis and like a faith crisis, like happening, like simultaneously where you're just like bouncing back and forth through all these just intellectual difficulties. And you know what I mean? It's like that peace of God isn't resting on you and you don't, you don't have peace, you know? Yeah. And so I ended up like realizing that I cannot keep, I, at the job that I had, there was this guy, his name is Robert. And he would like, he was just so odd. And he would come in and like, just speak evil things to me. Like you're, you're a loser and like all this stuff. And it was like, he was almost like trying to get me to like, get him fired or something. Like he was miserable and he just wanted (laughs) to get fired. So he could get his, like his whatever, (laughs) a check for a few months and find something new or whatever. But anyway, so I quit, I quit my job and I was like, told my family, like, we got to, we got to move back to California. We had bought a house out there. It made a little bit of money. So 
I was like, let's, let's sell it and we can move back to California and I can find my way. I'll find another, I'll find another job. Yeah. Cause at the time that was just the only thing that I could think of that it's like, get back to the community, get back to skateboarding. Like I need to get back to like surfing and skating and like the things that I know. And I know it's going to be hard, but like, this is really hard. Like, I don't know anyone here. Like, I don't know, like, I don't, yeah. I just felt like it was just a dead end. And it was almost like I was moving there out of fear as well. Like, I feel like God did open the door, mm. but it's weird because there was an aspect that like, I feel like if I had waited in California, that God might've done something. Well, not to leave a cliffhanger that, uh, that was Josh Harmony and, uh, with, uh, with Dr. James Spencer. And I want to make sure that, uh, you, you tune in tomorrow because, um, we are going to uh, continue that conversation. My name is Richard Beatty, and I am uh, the producer of this program, Thinking Christian. And I want to just take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to LifeAudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. We'll see you tomorrow. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Right? Because sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.